Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Kingdom Faith Church, we, we're in the middle of a journey where God has been kind of speaking to us. Uh, we call it messages, or you might call it preachers, or maybe you might just call it the bloke in front that annoys me, whatever you want to call it. But we've been journeying with Jesus, and God has been speaking to us about being a house of prayer and a house of worship. And there's just something new in the worship today. Amen. And partly it's because you're here, but partly it's because God is here more. Uh, but what we're going to talk about this week and next week is a little bit around being a person or a house of prayer. And if you were here last week, who was here last week? A few hands up. I'm going to need some helpers for this, uh, but not Kai. So Kai knows it's not him. He's all right. I'm going to need uh, Zach, and because um, I need someone taller than I. Tom, are you all right? To s- Tom, didn't Tom done a great job this morning? So they don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, hey, hello. Sorry. Right, do any of you know what this is? It's not a blanket. If you were here last week, um, we did a little. I'm going to make them both disappear. No. Uh, <laughs> Last week, I was, we were kind of just investigating, journeying on, I had some chairs, I had a, uh, some chairs there with a big gap in it and some chairs here with a smaller gap in it. And we were just sharing out of the Bible, God's word about the amazing thing that God has done, which is he lives here and we used to live out there and that was it. And then God moved from here to there to bring us from there to here. Is that very good? Okay, so uh, and somebody came up to me at the end who, who actually is very clever. Um, and they said to me, you mentioned everything apart from the veil. How many of you know what a veil is? What's a veil? It's, it's a what? Cover. I like it. Your mum's amazing. She does hand signals and everything. <laughs> So can you just stand over there a little bit, because you're a bit too close to me. Thanks. And just... <laughs> so here we go. I'm just going to let, let them stay there and hold it for absolutely no reason at all. <laughs> Before Jesus came, <clears throat> and we looked at this a bit, a little bit last week, so I'm not going to repeat it. Remember there was this one guy, this priest, that went the other side of this just once a year. And he had a rope and he had a bell and he had camouflage, which was smoke. And we were just sharing how Jesus replaced all of that with something better, which was his own life. But this veil, for some of you would know this, but this veil stopped people by accident seeing that God was there. And this veil, just, just find your hand. If you've got your hand, if you need some help, ask your neighbour, where's my hand? I was going to make a joke there. If you can't find it, don't palm it off to somebody else. (laughs) Sorry, my wife's looking at me now, so I'm going to keep going. (laughs) This this veil was the same thickness as your hand. Come on, I, I read my Bible. It was the same thickness as your hand. It was extremely heavy. I think it was 80 foot by 40 foot and about four inches wide. 
It was a big piece of material and it was there to stop anybody by accident getting where God was and for God not to come into the people by accident, if that makes sense. But the Bible says when Jesus was on the cross, how many of you can remember the cross? How many of you kind of remember Easter for chocolate bunnies and Easter rabbits? Because it's far more powerful than that. Can I ask you guys just put one arm out sideways because it makes you look even better. That's great. Again, I'm just doing that just for their obedience and for my pleasure. But when Jesus came, he came through this first row of chairs and we talked about that. He came into this really narrow bit of chair and the Bible says, and this is the amazing thing, four inches thick, 80 foot by 40, that without anybody touching it at all in the earth, this veil tore, I'm not going to tear it because it belongs to Annetta and she will deal with me ever so severely. <laughs> but you get ready, you just let go. So it said the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd have done it the other way up. So there was something here that happened that only God could have done. Four inches thick, 80 foot by 40 foot, kaboom! However, thank you, you are brilliant. I can ask you to put it back. Oh, no, you had that in. Oh, it's warm. It may be, even though God has done that, but you put your arm down, it's fine. <laughs> it may be that we think, I don't believe in God. And we just chuck it out there. And we might just think, God's never going to get it. Because it hits that. We might be thinking, if God is real, why does all this happen in my life? No expense spared, do you see? <laughs> we might just be thinking, well, if God is real, then why doesn't he hear me? And we might think that's happening. We might be thinking, well, you know, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm doing the best I can. You know, I've got a welfare and I've been in a small group and, you know, I'm giving every Sunday, but my life is rubbish. Does God actually still care for me? And we're thinking that, and we think it's just doing that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Or we might just be thinking, well, you know, somebody told me when I gave my life to Jesus, it was all going to be really joyful and everything was going to be great. But guess what? They told me a fib. <laughs> so Jesus, am I a good Christian? Am I a bad Christian? Do you even hear me? Do you even take any notice of what I'm saying? And we might think that when we just think that or talk that, it's like that. But here's the secret. It's never like that anymore. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like this. Because as far as God is concerned, there is nothing. And I mean zip. Nada. Nothing between him and you. But if we don't see it, with just a small amount of expectation, the Bible says it's like we're walking around with a veil. God has removed the veil, but we can still live with one. Is this making some sense to somebody? It's almost like we can be walking around the brightest sunshine, but if our eyes are shut, it looks like half moon. 
Well, I want to show you, and Andrea's going to do a little bit this near the end, that how, where God has put us and where God wants you to be is that you understand, and at the moment, these two guys have been, you've been promoted. You can just stand there and be like an archangel. <laughs> Archangels look like that. If you want to know what an archangel looks like, they look like that. But this is like Jesus. I know, promote, what? No, please don't. <laughs> But if we're walking around with this veiled kind of approach and we think God isn't interested, God doesn't take any notice of me, God isn't bothered about me, God, just, God has forgotten me. We can think all these and, and thousands of these just hit that. But all of them, he's got. He's got the lot. The Bible says even before a thought is in our head, God knows it. Even before something's come out of our mouth, God knows it. The one thing that Jesus said that makes the biggest difference is he said, if you ask and believe. Believe what? Believe that that's not there. Because if we don't, it's like a law. The Bible uses this word, it's like when we're kind of living like Moses. Moses did this and there was a reward. If he didn't do that, there wasn't a reward. But Jesus came full of grace. What does that mean? He means he rewarded everybody even though they didn't deserve it. Grace means he gave everybody everything that they need even though they deserve nothing at all. You see, without Jesus, that would have always stayed there. But with Jesus, he is that. Is that okay? Have you got that so far? Thank you, guys. Thank you for availing yourself. I'm on it this morning. So we're going to just look at a few bits of the Bible. Um, we're going to go through, just mention some of them because there's loads. In fact, the hot, pretty much three quarters of the Old Testament, the beginning, a bit, the bit of the beginning of the Bible, and all of the New Testament is talking about all this happening. Why was it there? How was it there? How did Jesus remove it? And how do we live in it? It was all in Jesus. And there's a couple of parts in the Bible, a couple of books. One is in Luke 22, where Jesus is talking to his friends about what this is going to look like. Then in John 13, then in John 14, he talks about this. But I'm just going to pick up on one, a few particular scriptures. The first one is John 17 verse 20 to 23. So we're going to look at that uh, just for, for a few moments. John 17, verse 20 to 23. And just to put this in the setting, Jesus is about to go and die for you and he's about to go and die for me. And in these last few moments, these last few days of his life, he is investing everything that he can into the people that followed him the closest. Everything. He's sharing his thinking, he's sharing his heart, he's sharing his experience of his relationship with, with his father that sent him. And in this particular bit of the Bible, which is up on the screens, it says, my prayer, Jesus' prayer, is not just for his followers. Because they're hearing him, they're seeing him, they're living with him, they're experiencing him. Uh, they see that when Jesus speaks, it seems like someone hears him and someone responds to him. And Jesus said, well, that's my father. That's God, the same God that you can know in the same way that I know him. And we spoke about that last week. But then Jesus said this incredible thing. I pray also 
that those who will believe in me through their message. Well, in case you don't know who Jesus is talking about, he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Because we weren't alive 2,000 years ago when Jesus was saying this. But Jesus wasn't just praying for the people that were there. He was praying for the people that would be there through the people that were there. You got that? So he's not literally talking to us, but at the same time he is. So here's something you just need to get into your head. Whether you like it or not like it, agree with it or not agree with it, and that's this. Jesus, right now, is praying for you. I'll just put that in a bit of a context. Every prayer of Jesus got answered. Every time Jesus asked, he received. Every time Jesus knocked on his father's door, his father opened it. Every time he sought the father, he found the father. So Jesus had a 100% hit rate with his prayer life. Come on! Every single thing, everything that Jesus prayed, he was moved to pray it. Everything that Jesus did, he was moved to do it. Everywhere where Jesus went, he was moved to went there. I know that's not English, but you get the gist. In other words, the way Jesus was with his father is how he wants to be with you and how he wants to be with me. But all you just need to get around your head right now, it's not, is that true? Is that true? Yes, it is. Don't listen to this as if there's a veil there. Take the one maybe off your own head. But Jesus is praying for you right now. And he's really good at praying. He's full of faith. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He doesn't take no for an answer. He is full of faith and he's praying for you and he's praying for me. How cool is that? Cool. Because we have to get in our head that the only way that you and I can become a person of prayer is because the person that prayed came from the outside to the inside. We're not praying to there. We're praying from there. <laughs> Come on. It doesn't worry if you don't get it right now. Because when I first heard this, I thought, what are you talking about? And it was like I was looking like this. You're like, Yeah, I kind of get it, but I don't get it. And then I got it with one eye. It's like, yeah, I'll get it a bit more now. And then suddenly Jesus says, no, look to my prayer life, not yours. Because I know what my prayer life is like. You know what your prayer life is like. But Jesus said this, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that they may all be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. What does that mean? It means that Jesus wants to use you as a vessel of prayer. He doesn't want you to, to know him just if you come to more prayer meetings. We think in another part of this book, John 10 verse 10, that Jesus said, I've come that you would have meetings and meetings in abundance. Jesus did not say that. What Jesus said was, I've come that you would have life. And life in all its fullness. But how did this fullness come out? It came out through a dependence or a life of prayer with God. So even before Jesus died and his veil was still here, he was living and loving as though it wasn't. Even though there was still a veil over the people, he lived veil free. Which is why when he was praying, he never prayed with a view or an opinion that was his own. 
He didn't have the veil of, of prejudice or preference. He had no veil when he looked. He only had the veil of the love of God. Are you getting this? God, I've been bubbling with this for weeks. It's like, come on, let's get to that Sunday. I want to just talk about praying. Because I want to kill some sacred cows. You were made to know Jesus and to live with Jesus and to live for Jesus. You were made for that, whether you know God very well or not. God knew you before you knew him. And this bit of the scripture, and I love this. It says, may they also be in us. He's still talking, so he's not talking about the people in the room. He's talking about the people who will be there because of the people that were in the room. So that person that maybe prayed for you to become a Christian years ago. Maybe that person that God just said, go and talk to them about your faith, maybe years ago, maybe recently. God is talking about the people that he just led to run an alpha or just pray with you on the street or just, he's talking about those people, not these people. But he's also talking about you and me. So God wants you and I to understand when we engage in prayer, A, it's not with a veil. The only veil is ours. I'm not very good at praying. Do you know the best way to learn to pray? Get on with it. 2,000 years ago, just around the same time that Jesus said this, his followers came up and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And what did he do? He prayed. He didn't say, step one, read that book. Step two, do that thing. Step three, sort that out. He said, this is how I pray. So what I've learned and what many of us here have learned, and what we need to learn is you were designed to be a person of prayer. You were. But we need to have an unveiled face. We need to have a faith-filled heart. I've given them the glory that you gave me, it goes on, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them. This is amazing. Jesus wants to live in you. I, don't know, I can't get my head around that. How many of you have seen the very first animated film, Aladdin? The one with Robin Williams in it. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? How many of you don't care? <laughs> but you've seen that film. And you find um, the animation, is, they find this little thing. Just, just put your hands out like this, as if, come on, just help me. Can I borrow your water bottle? I'm going to make a joke about it. You know what Evian means, backwards? Naive. <clears throat> tap water. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where that came from. It's like this. <laughs> this, this is like this little vessel. And, and, and he found it and he rubbed it. So just, just rub one hand on the other one. And then suddenly, boom, this amazing big genie came out of it. How did it get in there? I have no idea. All I know is Jesus is bigger than the biggest genie, greater than the greatest person. He lives in you. That's all I know, but we rub it with faith. Come on, we've got to connect. Nice bottle of water. And from the kitchen of the Bible school, but it's in a great bottle. That I'm in there so that you'll be brought to complete unity. I believe today God wants to bring you and me into a place of greater unity. Not that we're living out here, doing our best and chucking vague things at a veil that God's never going to listen to. But we have this unity that actually we can pray from here. We can pray from here. But when I think something, God hears it. 
when I speak something, God hears it. When I believe something, God responds to it. But not because I'm shouting, ah, but because I'm saying, God, you pray through me. Like you've already been doing for millennia. Like you're still in right now, you're in heaven right now. The Bible says in, uh, in Romans 8, Romans 8, 34. And I was once taught years ago by a tremendously bright person that they said to me, if you can understand the book of Romans, you can understand the whole Bible. So I started studying it in Greek and I thought, you're joking. I started studying it in English. You're still joking. <laughs> but, but gradually, bit by bit, I'm getting it. But here's one bit that I have got. Romans 8, verse 34 says this. Who then is the one who condemns? Do you know the answer? But are we living the answer or living the question? Because if we think there's a veil, we'll always live the question. I feel so condemned. Ah! No, when you know that you can live from here, it's who can condemn me. Not that I don't deserve it, but it ain't sticking. Who can judge me? Not that I don't deserve it, but it ain't sticking because I'm not living out here trying to beat my way through the veil because the veil's gone. I've just got to see it veil free. I've given you millennia of Old Testament teaching in 40 minutes. I'm doing my best. Who then is it that condemns me? Who is it sitting on your chair telling you you're rubbish? Who is it that's sitting there saying, you'll never be good enough? You've got to step out of the veil of that. And into this one. No one. No one. No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God and is interceding or mediating or standing in the gap or pleading our case or interestingly restoring us. But not just positionally in our head too. Some of you just, God just wants to restore how you see yourself compared with where God is. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are where Jesus is. You are. Because that's what he said. I pray that they will be in me. And I'd, if you give your life to Jesus, that's what happens. I move from there to here. Because he moved from here to there and brought me back. If you don't know Jesus this morning, he's still really, really close, but he's not as close as he wants to be. He doesn't just want to be around you. He wants to be in you. Come on. And I can remember the moment before I gave my life to Jesus, I just felt something. It's like, what is that? And suddenly the veil came out. It was like, actually, Jesus is here. Do you want to know him? Yeah. Do you want to know him now? Yep. Can I know him now? Yep. And I just gave my life to Jesus. And suddenly I moved from there to here. And I didn't do anything. But believe in the one that did. Nothing. I didn't do anything. And if there's any comfort... Neither do any of the rest of us. He is at the right hand of God. That's in Romans 8, 34. In Hebrews 7, Hebrews chapter 7, there's been many priests. So that's what was happening out here. But Jesus, it says, lives forever. How many of you know forever is a really long time? It's longer than we need. But Jesus wants you to live forever. 
without any veil. Living free from prejudice, pride, all the stuff that tries to make us think we're here and God is here. He wants us to know the freedom of knowing Christ. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. He has a permanent priesthood, which means what? It means Jesus, yes, he's constantly here, interceding on behalf of his Father, but the other side of mediation is also praying on behalf of you and behalf of me. Because that's what mediation means. Two groups coming together to be reconciled. So you have this eternal picture of Jesus right now. When he was on the earth, he was praying for you. Even though you weren't on the earth. Even now that he isn't living in bodily form, he's still praying for you and he's still praying for me to live like he lived. To ask God how he asked God. To receive from God how he received from God. To do the things of God. So Romans 8, 26, we're flipping about in Romans again because I love Romans. Romans 8, 26, it's just one scripture and it speaks about the spirit of God, the, the power part of God, if you like. Jesus sends that to people like you and people like me so that we can pray with faith. We can pray like Jesus did. In the same way, what does that mean? The clues in the words. In the same way means? In the same way. Jesus, every time Jesus prayed, it got answered. Every time he knocked, it was opened. Every time he looked for God, he found God. In the same way. What does in the same way mean? In the same way. Don't put the veil thinking, well, I'm not Jesus. He knows that. I know that. If you're married, they know that. If you're, if you're in the Bible school, your roommate knows that. He, they know you're not Jesus, but you have Jesus. So Jesus says in the same way, it's actually Jesus speaking through a guy called Paul that wrote this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you think that that's good? I think it's great that I know I'm weak, but I know he's my help. However, with the veil, I try to help myself. Without the veil, I put my trust in him. But with the veil, I'm going to do all kinds of things because I think I'm going to get God's attention. Without the veil, I know I've already got God's attention because he died for me and he died for you. The Holy Spirit helps us. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes. So he's given you the same power to pray like Jesus prayed. The same relationship with God, the same ability, the same power. You've got a prayer warrior, not a prayer warrior in your life. Then in the next verse, on verse 27, I'm getting my value for money out of uh, Emily this morning. And he who searches our hearts also knows the mind of the Spirit. This is amazing. Sometimes I just don't know what to think about something. At the moment in this nation... That's probably where I'm at, to be honest with you. Oh dear. But I do know that God knows the end from the beginning. I do know that Jesus is praying across time and space. I do know that Jesus is the desire of every nation. I do know that Jesus is the author of faith. So I'm not going to think, oh, well, I know the answer. I'm going to vote for him or vote for him. I'm going to say, God, tell me what I don't know. Show me what I don't get. Or we're going to pray with a veil. When I always vote that party, well, you've got to stop it. 
We pray for the government. I don't care what colour it is. We pray for those in authority. I don't care whether you like them or you hate them. Come on. Because we can use the world. Well, I use the Bible, my friend. Yeah, and you put a veil over your head. And you become a religious nut. And you should be living like this. But you keep dragging Jesus out back here and he keeps saying, I'm coming back in here. Can we put that one back up on the screen? Sorry, Emily. 27. Romans 8, 27. Come on, Emily, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sink down in the chair. (laughs) Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance, in line with, in agreement with, in harmony with the will of God. I tell you what, Jesus prayed and got answers because he prayed always in the will of God. He prayed always out of the person who revealed the will of God to him, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus wants exactly the same prayer life in you and in me as it was in Jesus. How many of you know that no, that's true? How many of you know, hope that that's true? Because I don't know about you, but because we're going to pray in a minute and then we're going to break bread. Because Jesus said this in John, for me, he showed what this meant when he went to the upper room again with his closest friends, his closest followers. I'm going to give a little bit of chronology so you get it. There were 12 followers, very close followers of Jesus, and he gave them some tips. But one left. Once he left, he went deep with the other 11. There were some things that he never told the one that left because he knew he was going to leave. He waited until he left the room. Right, because he knew he was seeing everything with a veil. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the 11 that stayed in the room with Jesus. And then he spoke about covenant. Then he spoke about the work of the power of God. He spoke about the love of God, but he waited until one of them had gone, which was right. He knew one was going to go. Everybody knew one was going to go. They just didn't know which one. Once he'd gone, then he went deep. And in this moment, this prayer that I think moved me from here to here eternally was I've been longing to share this meal. You have to set that contextually. Before that, it says on the night that he was going to be betrayed, the, the worst night that you could ever live in. The worst situation that you can imagine and some Jesus knew it was happening. Where it could appear at the darkest, it could, all, everything that was set against Jesus was screaming the loudest. On the very night that he was going to be betrayed, Jesus, it said, he took bread. Now, this is where the veil can get in the way. The veil can be because well, it's just a bit of bread. It was until he took hold of it. It didn't become special. It was still bread, but it represented what he was about to do. He said, this is my body given. That was a prayer. That was an announcement. That was an announcement of intent. Jesus said, here's my body, and it's broken for you. Then it says, after supper, he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and said, this is the blood and the new covenant, which I shed for you. He didn't shed it for him. He shed it for us. 
He didn't break his body for himself. He broke it for us. And he's already done that. But he doesn't have to do that ever again. But as we celebrate communion or common union, remember Jesus says, John 17, I'm praying that they'll all be like one with me, that I'll be in them and they'll be in me. And the Holy Spirit, when we break bread, I'm going to do it slightly differently than maybe you've used to, is I want you to give God space to pray through you like Jesus would pray. Ooh. You might be thinking, well, I've never prayed before. Well, this could be your first time. But don't think you've got to take up a posture to do it. No, you've just got to believe God. You've just got to talk what's on your heart. Don't make it too long, because to be honest, when it's too long, you get bored. When it's too long, God gets bored. He said, you won't be heard for your many words. We just need to know, Jesus, I know you want to do this. I know you want to say this. I know you want to show this. And I'm just going to speak it out because it's in my heart. So don't go off on some holy ramble, right? Because we don't need to do that. Just say to someone, okay, what do, you, what do you want God to do right now? What is it? Do you need healing? Let's ask God to heal you right now. Do you need provision? Let's agree that God's going to be providing for you. Just, just need to feel better. Just, say, have a conversation because Jesus never saw people as prayer fodder. And I've prayed for thousands, tens of thousands of people over years, and sometimes two or three hundred at the same time, or in one time, not at the same time. And every single time you're having a conversation with them. Okay, what's God going to do for you right now? What's your name? How are you? Are you all right? Why? Because we rela- when we relax, we receive. If we don't relax, it might be because we think we're out here, and there's a veil of, well, you know, whatever, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. No, no, we've got to take that off. God, remove it so that I can see that in Christ I'm here. We are like Christ in this world. And what does that mean? What it says it means. It means that you and I, when we give our life to Jesus, we can love people like he loves people. We can see the power of God like he saw the power of God. We can take all the rubbish that the world gives like he took all the rubbish and we hit it back up to God but also that you see the works of God, that there's forgiveness and release that's released, cleansing, restoration, which seems to be a big word at the minute. But the Bible says we are like Jesus in this world. Don't look at your world, look at Jesus. Don't look at yourself. Whenever I do that, the veil comes. Well, look at you. No, take it off. Look at Jesus because there is no veil with Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.